What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is your boy, Earth Mac, the mad scientist. All I want to say is who they? 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Legendary Becker. Sometimes I feel like Axel. Hey. Chop competition like a martial arts master. Plays through the streets with the strength of a dragon. Whoa. Gotta stop the boss even if we wreak havoc. Yeah. Video game rap. No, not that same trap. I'm so retro. retro. I remember retro, those yeah. days staying up. Watching my Uncle Jackie play the Nintendo. Hey, Becker, we yeah. can I'm playing Star Fox and I got it for the end. Six, four, three, cast, make yeah. it last. Won't ever sell that. Yeah, I promise I will not let go. The cartridge. Me and Marjorie used to play Battlefront. Tony Hawk Underground 2. How I'm hitting stunts. Do what I say when I press A. You jump. You need bigger. The bars got you on Bioshock. Came back one time, but you died twice. That's the real definition of a half life. When you speak to me, you only half right. It's early in the morning, but I'm playing Fortnite. It's the legend of Baker. Will you be so kindly? Rubies on my table. Fairy tale chain on my neck, playing Fable. So many video games, we don't need cable. I'm an angel, but right now the combat evolved. Uh-huh. Mortal Kombat, all no close calls. The gear was special. Hit them with the twisted metal. Sly Cooper, how we came and snuck in the sector. Yeah. Video game rap, no, not that same trap. I'm so retro. retro I remember retro, those yeah. days staying up, watching my Uncle Jackie play the Nintendo. Hey, Becker, we can walk. I'm playing Star Fox, and I got it for the N64. Dreamcast, make it last. Won't ever sell that. Yeah, I promise I will not let go. Blow the cartridge. Yo, what's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Earth Mac, the mad scientist. Shout out to Thanos Rick, man. Um, he actually, last minute, he actually hit me up and said he was actually unable to attend. He got uh, another engagement that just popped up. Um, he hit me up <laughs> probably like 20 minutes before the show. But hey, we got a full show for you guys today on this fantastic Friday, man. I hope you guys are doing awesome today on this fantastic Friday. But as you know, we always talk YouTube news. We always talk news. We always talk anime. Stuff like that, and usually I have some some back and forth conversations with Thanos Rick. Now, the conversation I was going to have with Thanos Rick was basically about my boy, the Cincinnati Bengals. You see what I'm saying? Look, the first half was abysmal. I get it. I get it. I get it. I understood it. I understood it. For for the past four weeks, you know, Cincinnati was not known as the first half team you know what i'm saying we scored you know and stuff like that but not like 20 30 points or anything anything of that nature it wasn't nothing ridiculous like that and on top of that we had a short week you know um we beat pittsburgh steelers and a few days later we had a primetime game on that thursday so it's on, on last night basically so two of the curses that cincinnati is known for were lifted this week you know we beat pittsburgh for the second time in a row and we beat Jacksonville Jaguars last night with a field goal. And it was all Joe Burrow and the offense and the defense on the second half with a passer rating of 100, I think it's 152.1. Every drive, 
Cincinnati was in in the second half was a scoring drive. Every single one of those things. Wow. Wild stuff, man. Wow, wow, wow stuff, man. And I'm so glad for my Cincinnati Bengals because mainly looking at this situation, they got at least 11 days or so or 10 to prepare for the Green Bay Packers. And um, for the rest of the year and the rest of the season, it's going to be a very, you know, very tough games. And it's going to be people that um, are playoff contenders or Super Bowl contenders from that situation. So, you know, it, only way it's going is up. You know, Joe Burrow is not drinking the Kool-Aid. He was interviewed after the game, and he said, "Listen, we three and one. That's cool and dandy at all, but we're not even a quarter of the season in. We got a lot of, we got a lot more work to do." And he's been real. He said, "If this been the same bank, if it was the Bengals of last year, then we would have folded under the pressure. But we ain't the same. The culture is different. This drive is different. You know, um, knowing that you are." A winning team and I do love that about Joe Burrow he's real he's real he's not drinking the Kool-Aid he, he still got his ear to the ground his nose to the ground and he's on to the next week he's like all right cool cool win next week cool win next week I throw interceptions whatever I'm gonna throw two TD passes right after that man this dude is poised man this dude is he's going he's destined to be one of the greats he does not buckle under the pressure and you know you know what's funny I, I turned on skip and shannon this morning and what's the first thing they talk about it's the same thing they talked about yesterday and that's brady and belichick you're not going to talk about last night's game to start off the show you just had a primetime football game i get it it's jacksonville they all went three trevor lawrence has consistently gotten better each and every week like he's going to get at least one win this season one win this season at least because he's consistently gotten better like he's learning the formula and everything else but skip and shannon they're talking about you know bill belichick and brady this game is on sunday you hear me sunday i get i get it i get it you want to talk about it man talk about it on the tail end of the show not the beginning you know it's an insult to the team of cincinnati in prime time because there was no other football game on TV except for Cincinnati and Jacksonville. And Cincinnati showed out and showed their whole ass. And I'm with that. Not with that. But hey, we got a little bit of news for you guys today. Now, and this is in regards to Angelina Jolie. Now, I know I didn't have any of the titles, but we got plenty of news for you guys in regards to that. Now, Angelina Jolie reveals that she turned down a big superhero film before signing up to star in The Eternals. Marvel Studios' next blockbuster will introduce a new team of superheroes who have been on Earth for thousands of years. Directed by Academy Award-winning filmmaker Chloe Zhao, the film boasts a star-studded cast including Joe Lee, who played one of The Eternals, Tina. Now, announced at San Diego Comic-Con, Eternals has been delayed multiple times due to the coronavirus pandemic. Now, as with the rest of the MCU, who are essentially immortal. Given this, the blockbuster story will span thousands of years, although the main narrative will take place shortly after the events of Avengers Endgame. Now, specifics of the film plot are still under wraps, and it's safe to say that they will stay that way until the Eternal rolls out in theaters in November. Now, 
Now, speaking with Empire, uh, it says that uh, Jolie opened up about her decision to join the Marvel Studios project, admitting that she doesn't usually lean towards superhero or sci-fi films. The actress said that she felt like something else was happening in this film and that it was very character-driven. Now, the characters then added that she actually approached for a different high-profile superhero project before she just turned it down because of the aforementioned reasons saying that the films are not usually what I'm looking to do. However, Jolie remained tight-lipped on what role or project was. So it's unclear. My thing is, my theory is it it was possibly Wonder Woman. It was possibly Wonder Woman that she was set to star in. I can't think of any other major superhero film where it didn't say that she was going to be the lead. It just says that she just got offered a role in a major superhero film. Now, one would assume that this would be Wonder Woman. That's the first thing I think about, even though she's tight-lipped about it. I mean, that's the only thing I can really think about where she's the lead because, you know, anything Angelina is in, she normally is the co-star or the main character in the film. So to her to take a backseat or a background, it's kind of hard to comprehend that. So with that being said, I think, I think that it was one to one. But you know, it, it's neither here or there. She's gonna be in the internal. You're gonna have to check out the internals very, very soon. That comes out November 5th, 2021. Alright? Just put that out there. And I cannot wait to see it because I think that turns the table for a possible mutants situation. We'll see. We'll see. Now, next bit of news is Scarlett Johansson and Disney have settled their breach of contract lawsuit over the release of Black Widow. Now, the terms of the settlement have not yet been disclosed, but uh, to quote, I am happy to have resolved our differences with Disney, said Johansson. According to The Hollywood Reporter, I'm incredibly proud of the work we've done together for over the years and have greatly enjoyed my creative relationship with the team. I look forward to continuing our collaboration in years to come. So it seems like things is back on track. But also, call her, I'm very pleased that we have been able to come to a mutual agreement with Scarlett Johansson regarding Black Widow, said Disney Studio Chairman Alan Bergman. Now, we appreciate her contributions to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and look forward to working together on a number of upcoming projects, including Disney's Power of Terror. Now, this settlement comes after months of back and forth between Johansson and Disney regarding a lawsuit filed in July by the Marvel star over the release of Black Widow, her ninth and final film in the MCU, which premiered simultaneously in theaters and on Disney Plus Premier Access. The lawsuit, which was filed against Disney and Los Angeles Superior Court, stated that the film's release strategy was a direct breach of Johansson's contract, alleging that Disney and Marvel Entertainment guaranteed an exclusive theatrical release for Black Widow, and that part of Johansson's payment would be based on a film box office performance. Now, which was diminished due to its release on the Disney Plus Premiere Access. The lawsuit claimed that Johansson lost more than $50 million in revenue. Now, since the filing, Johansson garnered support from players across the internet entertainment industry, including Jamie Lee Curtis and Elizabeth Olsen, as well as organizations like Hashtag Disney Must Play, uh, I'm sorry, Hashtag Disney Must Pay, and Time's Up Women in Film and Reframe, who called Disney response a gendered attack. I don't think it was a gender attack, per se. I think it was just, it, it's just a, um, a disagreement. I think 
that with the contract situations with Disney, um, no one expected COVID to hit. I think if it wasn't for COVID, was wasn't for COVID hitting um, the nation, we wouldn't have these discussions. I don't think we would have this disagreement in revenue. But considering that you know the pandemic, you know, which was unexpected, hit us last year. You know, you move certain movies to Premiere Access, and then HBO, you had a slew of free movies with some movie studios, you know, didn't too much care for. But as always, I was saying earlier when I was talking to Thanos Rick, like, you know, a few, uh, like a month or so ago, in regards to this, I one or two things are going to happen. Either they're going to settle this, which they did, or, you know, it's going to cause a a shit rolling downhill type of situation because Scarlet is just the first person. I mean, if I was Disney, I would just go back and renegotiate the contract, you know, make it so. But since, you know, we are on the tail end of the pandemic and uh, honestly, things won't be the same like it was before, but people are slowly trickling into the movie theaters. Of course, Venom let there be carnages out. I think it's coming out if it's not already out. If I'm not mistaken, y'all can correct me on that. But that's out. Shang-Chi, you know, was theater only. It was no Disney premiere access. But, you know, people was in that movie theater in droves because it was an MCU movie. I mean, there you have it with that. Yes. So, according to uh, the listener, Mio's 38, he says Venom is out today. Now, I might have to slide over to the movie theater and check out let there be carnage man i i gotta i gotta check it out i gotta check it out man i heard good things i heard good things i heard the post credit scene i heard this the setup for um a spider-man universe type situation and i'm loving it i am loving it now another bit of news here will smith is more than willing to come back to the dc extended universe as anti-hero sharpshooter deadshot now a video posted to gq's youtube channel Smith reveals that while scheduling conflict took him out of the game for James Gunn's The Suicide Squad, there appears to be nothing stopping the character from returning in the future DCEU films. Now, in the video, Smith seems unsure whether the new DCEU edition, Idris Elba, was brought in to replace him as Deadshot, but someone behind the camera confirms Elba played a different character. All right, cool, so I can come back, Smith says <laughs> animatedly. Now, the video is part of a series called Actually Me where various celebrities go undercover online and respond to social media posts from fans and critics talking about them and their work. Now, previous guests include Jennifer Lawrence, Rami Malik, John Cena, among others. Now, Smith played Deadshot in 2016's Suicide Squad alongside co-stars Marvel Robbie, Harley Quinn, Joe Kinnaman as Rick Flagg, and Viola Davis as Amanda Waller, all of whom reprised their role in the Suicide Squad while critics largely panned the 2016's Suicide Squad. Smith's performance was generally praised. Early rumors suggested that Idris Alba has been cast in the Suicide Squad to replace Smith. Now, we both heard that rumor before. Now, but it was later revealed that director James Gunn, who's instead to preserve Deadshot, have Elba take the role of Bloodsport. And uh, the Suicide Squad was released in August of, the, of this year to critical acclaim, with many considering it a redemption of the Suicide Squad as a film concept. Now, THR reported that Warner Brothers was considering a spinoff movie starring Deadshot as early as 2018. Smith seemed thrilled about it as the prospect of the film happening, saying, I hope so. I love playing Deadshot. I'm really enjoying that character. No concrete production plans have materialized as of yet. 
Now, uh, created Floyd was created by David Vern Reed, Lou Schwartz, and Bob Kane. Debuted it in DC Comics pages in 1950 with Batman number 59. The character was historically been portrayed as a longtime adversary to Batman, typically working as a hired assassin. Deadshot possessed an uncanny ability to never miss a shot. Now, the Suicide Squad is not currently attached to any streaming service, but is available to rent or buy from Amazon Prime. Look, I'm going to take it back to 2016 Suicide Squad. And there was a couple glaring things about it. Now, I feel like it should have been rated R, and it should have been more bloody. I feel like that, the movie would have been 10 times better because that's what Suicide Squad is. But the standouts to me would be Will Smith's character as Deadshot, Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn, and Viola Davis as Amanda Waller, and Joe Kinnaman as Rick Flagg. Like, those were the standouts to me. I mean, that was a very, very good Deadshot. That was a different spin on Deadshot, and it added a little bit more flair to the Deadshot character. And, I mean, can you imagine Will Smith and Idris Elba together, like, Deadshot and Bloodsport? That'd be, that'd be some awesome shit. That'd be awesome stuff to see. Like, I hope... James Gunn comes back and do another Suicide Squad movie with Deathshot in it. I hope that's the case then. I really hope that's the case. But we'll see. We'll see. You know, Deathshot wasn't in the second one, obviously, because of schedule conflicts and all that. It's okay. It's okay. But at least we know the window and the door is open for Deathshot to return. And I'm all for that. Now, also on the other bit of news here, Let's talk some anime here. Now, Baki Hanma has been released yesterday for Netflix. So if you like fighting anime and you like the World Cup of Fighting, Baki Hanma is on Netflix right now for um, as of yesterday. And I watched a little bit of it, like the first episode, and it's actually pretty good. Um, you know, I'm not a big fan of still shot animations, like when the people punches you, it kind of stops. But I think they kind of loosen that up a little bit. So, um, from what I've seen in the first episode, it looks really, really good. So, to go back to really understand the lore of Baki, Netflix just gave you Baki the first three seasons. I wouldn't even say the first three seasons, but the first three parts, right? But you have to go back to Baki the Grappler when he was, a, you know, when he was younger. Now, when he was fighting like 100 thugs and trying to go through all 100 because he wanted to beat his dad, you got to go through that. You, you got to go through how he met his friends. How end up, I mean, in the beginning there was rivals, but end up being his friends. So he got to, you know, he has to uh, go through that motion. You have to watch Baki the Grappler season one and season two. Then you come to Netflix, you watch Baki. Then you can watch Baki Hanma. If that makes sense. But Netflix kind of, I mean, when, when you really look at the first three parts of Baki, um, I won't say it's easy to get into, but if you are familiar with the Baki character, then you can follow everything. But if you was never introduced to Baki, you never seen anything Baki related, then you have to go to Baki the Grappler first. You have to start from the ground up. And unfortunately, Baki the Grappler is not on Crunchyroll. It's not on Funimation. Uh, it's not on Netflix. It may be on Amazon Prime. 
No, I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look for you guys and see if it's actually on Amazon Prime. But if it is, you might want to check out Bucket Rapper, man, because it's, it's really good. It's, it's really good stuff. So let's see here. I'm gonna go ahead and type in Baki the Grappler on Amazon Prime and see if it's actually on here and it is not. <laughs> it is not. You may have to take a back door to uh to find Baki the Grappler, man. That, that's just something you just can't find. Maybe let's check one more place. Let's check YouTube. Because YouTube hasn't failed me yet when it comes to like hidden gems, right? So let's see. Baki the Grappler. I'm typing that in right now and seeing if it's, uh, whoa. Wait a second. Wait a minute. Baki English Dub, episodes 1 through 48, is on YouTube. You can watch Baki the, <laughs> you can watch Baki the Grappler on YouTube, ladies and gentlemen. Man, how about that for Clutch, man? Shout out to YouTube, man. Shout out to YouTube for, for doing his due diligence. Because I got to go back and watch that. Um, now, I was thinking about doing an article on in November on fighting, like fighting anime. And there's two of them that really, really stand out. And I'm really going to compare the two. And I cannot wait to actually run about it, man. But... Um, the October edition of Orange Phoenix Magazine will be out soon, okay? Will be out soon. A lot of good information in there. You need to check it out. If you go to orangephoenixmedia.com, you can get the single issue of Orange Phoenix, uh, Orange Phoenix Magazine. If you go to orangephoenixmedia.com, just click on uh, Magazine, and boom, there you go. Now, if you want to subscribe for only $5 a month, all you have to do is go to patreon.com forward slash orange phoenix and for five dollars a month you are guaranteed the magazine each and every single month but on orange phoenix media those are single issues only so you go to the most recent issue of orange phoenix magazine all the way to the first one from last year okay we talk about pro wrestling we talk about anime we talk about manga we talk about comics you can go about sci-fi. I'm telling you, you need to check that stuff out. Now, also, you need to follow us at Orange Phoenix Media on Instagram, as well as Orange Phoenix T. Now, did I mention if you go to the website, orangephoenixmedia.com, you can click on apparel. You can go check out the apparel, and I guarantee you, it is cheaper than, than most. I'm telling you. Some graphic tees, I'm talking about some good graphic tees. I'm talking about graphic tees, like if you put them in a washing machine, the designs don't get cracked up. You know how it is. You know how it is. But it's not just T-shirts. You can get the same design in a hoodie, a mug, a laptop case, a phone case, as wall art, as pins, as stickers, as travel mugs. You can get those designs in anything that you want. It's not just t-shirts. Alright? So go ahead and check it out. Follow Orange Phoenix Tees on Instagram as well as Orange Phoenix Media on Instagram as well. Now also give us a follow on Facebook. Join the group. Orange Phoenix Geek Corner. Go ahead and give us a shout out. Man, it's a very, very positive space. I can guarantee you. Very positive space. We do have movie nights and so on. It's a good deal. It's a good deal. Now, to close out the show now, we're talking about some anime here. Now, whenever we talk about some good anime, usually the thing that stands out the most is the villain. You got to have a good villain. Psychologically speaking, physically empowering. You know, get just dig inside your mental, make you think. 
almost to the point that you kind of side with the villain a little bit. That's what anime is, man. I think anime pulls out the best villains you can possibly think of out of any live action show. Uh, any live action movie, man. I mean, it just it just pulls it out of you. I mean, there's some standouts in live action. Do not get me wrong. But I'm talking about as a group, as a collective, I feel like anime villains just take it up another step. And I feel like the live action actors look at some of these anime villains and want to just try to grab their energy and use that same energy in live action films. But check it out, though. We're talking about the 10 anime villains who managed to take over the world, according to comic book resources. Now, with how powerful and persistent most anime heroes are, it's almost a miracle when a villain manages to take over the world, even for a little while. Now, world domination is one of the most popular villainous motivations in fiction, but very few actually accomplish it. Now, the same goes far as anime, um, where the number of successful self-proclaimed world rulers is very limited. Now, while some of the following villain reigns were shorter than others, it still accomplished their goal of global rule. Now, in a medium famous for eternally determining the heroes, even the most fleeting of the world domination, in worth dimension. Now, these are spoilers ahead. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read out some of this stuff. What I'm not going to do in its entirety, because if you haven't seen the anime, sometimes they kind of teeter into telling you what the ending is, and I'm not going to do that. Because I, I strategically left out <laughs> the last paragraph. So, number 10 is Emperor Lelouch's world domination was his long game's conclusion. Now, after ending the Holy Britannian Empire and freeing all of his colonies, Lelouch assumed his father's position as emperor and decreed that peace can only be achieved by bringing the world under the rule of one man, specifically himself. As such, Luce and his armies brought the world's armies and the Order of the Black Knights to their knees. I'm going to leave it at that because there, Lelouch is very, very strategic. A lot of people ask the question, who's more, who's more strategic, Light or Lelouch? Who will win a mental game between the two? And that's a hard sell, but I think Lelouch will get, will get it. I think Lelouch will get the duck. The next one is Ainz Ugon. Now, he did this by accident. Now, the irony of Ainz is that while he is arguably one of the most powerful isekai protagonists around, his infamy and villainy are mostly the product of an accident and coincidence. For example, his world domination was inspired not by dreams of conquest, but by a stray side comment that Demiurge took too seriously. One day, Ainz humored that world domination sounded kind of neat. Demiurge, ever loyal to his king, took this off-handed suggestion to heart and convinced Ayn's subjects and armies to carry out his will. The plan worked so well that it caught Ayn's by surprise and decided, and he decided to go along with it to maintain his reputation and his forces' morale. Now, those of you who haven't seen Overlord, there are currently three seasons of Overlord. You can watch that on Funimation. It's a very good, it's a very good anime. Um, there is light novels too. You can find those at uh, Books A Million or Barnes & Noble. It's really good. It's really good. Number eight is Afro Samurai Justice became number one killer in the anime start. He achieved his goal. He was number one for quite some time, right? So, in Afro Samurai's world, might makes right. Whoever holds the number one headband becomes a god. Now, as it grants amazing miracles like cosmic knowledge and immortality, however, anyone can become the next number one if they kill the current wearer. 
that and they have to defeat the other numbered headband wearers. Now, Afro's father, Rakutaro, was the reigning number one until the gunslinging Justice killed him, starting Afro's body, bloody path of revenge. Justice did become a god among men, but he first needed to collect the rest of the headbands to gain total control of the world. As number one, Justice let chaos reign as he waited for Afro to challenge him. Really, really good anime. You might want to check that out, Afro Samurai. Now, the next one is Kira. It poses Justice among, uh, from within the shadows, from Death Note. Now, Death Note is one of those anime that, to me, you can only watch once, and after that, you don't need to watch it again. Because Death Note gives that shock and awe as far as what is transpiring, like who's dying or whatever the case may be. But since you already know what's going to happen, it don't have the same impact as the first time that you've seen it, obviously. But um, with Death Note in hand, Light Yagami became judge, jury, and executioner. But even his godlike powers and intellect could only go so far. If Light truly wanted to change the world as Kira, the god of the new world, he had to basically take over the world. After successfully outwitting and killing El, this is exactly what Light did. While hiding behind Kira, Light executed almost 5,000 people he deemed unjust and terrified the world's governments into subservience. For five years, Light killed with impunity, effectively ruling the world without ever showing his face. Kira's rule was so absolute that in the manga, religions dedicated to him cropped up after his and almost every other death, um, no character's death. Now, Dragon Ball had King Piccolo. King Piccolo was also known as the Great Demon King, and rightfully so. After spending almost a century trapped in a rice cooker under the sea, the irredeemably evil King Piccolo exacted vengeance by violently turning the earth into his domain. While his villainous goals aren't exactly original, King Piccolo deserves credit for his terrifying speed and efficiency. Upon a revival, King Piccolo wasted no time and sent his minions to murder the world's strongest martial artists and heroes. Afterward, he wiped out any semblance of law and order while letting evil run rampant. Though Goku eventually defeated King Piccolo, he did rule over a very chaotic world and enjoyed every second of it. King Piccolo actually succeeded in doing what he needed to do. Now, uh, the next one up is Kill a Kill, Rakio Kiryuin. Now, uh, it's only halfway through Kill a Kill that Rakio, the mother of their strange sister Ryuku and Sasuke, revealed herself to be one of the anime's major villains. Years ago, Rakio discovered the life fibers and their assimilation goals. Instead of stopping them through, stopping them though, Rakio promised to hand them humanity as long as she got to rule the world before that point. To help the life fibers conquest, Ragu used her business empire to spread life fiber infested clothes around the world, broadening its grasp and reach around the globe. Sasuke's rebellion only delayed Ragu for a bit, and Ragio quickly became queen of the world when the primordial life fiber decided it was time to reveal itself. Now, one thing you need to know about Studio Trigger is that Kill a Kill is very over the top. Very over the top. Little sexualized. But it is worth the watch. You definitely need to check that out. If I'm not mistaken, it is on Netflix. Number four is my boy. My boy, Sasuke Aizen. Now, acquiring the whole Gyoku and throwing Soul Society into chaos were just the beginning of Aizen's very one-sided war. And the quest for godhood 
After leaving the Soul Society without scratch, Aizen, Gen Ichimaru, and Kaname Tozen made their way to Wikomuna to raise the ultimate army. Aizen made quick work of the Hollow Domain, but most of it happened off-screen. Aizen's conquest of Wikomuna was mostly shown through flashbacks, but what little was seen showed more than enough. Not even a year after leaving the Shinigami in disarray, Aizen created his own kingdom in Wekamundo, where he was its king, and the Shinigami's sworn enemy were his subjects and or slaves. My boy Aizen, man. Like, look, he got goals. He's going to achieve them. The next one up is Satan's demons wiped out the devil men and humanity. The big twist of Devil Man Crybaby is the Ryo Asuka is actually the fallen angel Satan and his human form without any recollection of his original self is part of God's punishment for his rebellion. Furious at this and even more hateful of mankind than before, Ryo unleashed an army of demons to exact vengeance. Ryo succeeded in taking over the world for demon Khan while eradicating all of humanity but at a step, at, I'm sorry, at a steep cost. Literally, everybody died by the anime's end, with Ryo being the only being left alive. Worse, it was the only in these last moments that Ryo realized his love for a now-dead Akira and that he was cursed to repeat this hellish cycle for eternity. A very, very weird ending. I'm going to tell you that right now. It's, it's not for the faint of heart. Now, one of our uh, loyal listeners to... Orange Phoenix Morning Show. He should be happy with this one. This emu um, had the world government enable a lie for centuries in one piece. When it comes to anime villains and the world domination, emu stands out because they already won long before the anime even began. In one piece, the world has been under the rule of the world government for centuries. All of this is just a cover-up for emu, the world's actual ruler, whose existence is hidden from almost everyone including the very privileged world noble. Despite the world government supposedly being founded on the principle of the empty throne, Emu is the world's unquestioned ruler. By hiding behind the world government, Emu forced their ideas of absolute justice on everyone, branded all forms of dissent as crime, and ruled the world from the shadow's safety. Very, very intriguing character here, man. I'm going to tell you right now, like, when it comes to One Piece, I don't think there's any better, like, story or lore in anime than One Piece. You might bring up Naruto. That's cool. That's cool. You got Naruto, Naruto Shippuden, and I can't discredit Naruto at all. At all. Because that is legendary. That is great. You know, Baruto, not as great. It's, it's gotten better. But it is what it is. But One Piece is still on this One Piece deal. There's no secondary anime to this. There's no um, aftermath. This is still going on. Now, that's why I say this is probably the greatest storytelling in all of anime. I'm just here to tell you. It's something about One Piece, man. Like, it, it, like put it like this. It's not my all-time favorite anime, but I, look, I give respect for respect to do. One Piece is still going on, and it's, and it's inching towards its 1,000th episode. I'm telling you, it, it's... It's unprecedented. It's unprecedented. I got One Piece gold, man. It's just something about it. It just grabs you. Like you on the adventure. And when, if Luffy, Zoro, and the and the Straw Hat Pirates get to One Piece, it got to be worthwhile, man. It got to be worth the thousands of episodes that we're going to see. It's, it's got to be worth it. It has to be. I cannot wait. Now, number one 
is Puella Magi Madoka Magica Rebellion. Hamura Akami rewrote reality in her image. Now, aside from starting out as an anti-hero, what makes Hamura unique is that she didn't just take over the world, but reality itself. After embracing the curses within her instead, allowing Madoka to purify her in the name of love, Hamura became the living embodiment of evil and she recreated reality into something of her liking. In Hamura's new world, magic didn't exist and girls were now free from the incubator's manipulations and evils. Hamura's control of the reality was so absolute that not only did she rewrite everybody's memory to align with her ide idyllic uh, dream world, but she also sealed Madoka's godlike magical side away. Mm. Now, I haven't seen the anime, but we definitely got to check that out, man. And that is the list for today. Remember, you go to orangephoenixmedia.com. Go ahead and check out the magazine, single issues only. And you can also click on the apparel page as well. Go ahead and give us a visit. Give us a follow at Orange Phoenix Media on Instagram as well as Orange Phoenix Tees. You feel me? As well, now go to Facebook and type in Orange Phoenix Geek Corner and join the group, baby. Go ahead and join the group. Like-minded individuals, very, very positive space. We have movie nights. We post memes. We post all kind of things. You feel me? All kind of things. So I hope you guys have an awesome weekend. I hope you guys have a spectacular weekend a stupendous weekend because oh now tonight is smackdown and also aew rampage it's supposed to be the wwe's draft so we're gonna see who gets drafted who i don't really put too much stock in this draft because people make guest appearances on other people's shows so it's not really a draft so but we'll see who goes with and also aew rampage do not forget to watch that tell and i'm and i'm out now See you guys on Monday. You feel me? Monday. We're going to have a lot to talk about over the weekend, man. I'm telling you, a lot to talk about. So until next time, peace.